It rained and it's cooler. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll start. Father, we thank you that you are so good to us. And oh, the more we seek you, the more we find you. What a perfect song from a message tonight. Alan didn't even know. But Lord, we're just so grateful that you're not hiding from us. Your arms are open wide and just receiving us and welcoming us into your presence into your into your arms and so father we just are so grateful we thank you for giving us the holy spirit that reveals and unveils and shows us things and father we ask you to give us ears to hear and hearts to receive and i i pray that for the children and the youth lord we just say that we're not going to miss it here in this church our children aren't going to miss it our teenagers aren't going to miss it our babies aren't going to miss it and our adults we're not going to miss what you're saying We're not going to miss and not leave without being saved or leave without the things that we need that you want us to know that we have. So, Lord, we just thank you tonight for speaking to us in every room in the house. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm going to talk tonight about living as those made alive in Christ. You all know we have been made alive in Christ. We've been made alive in Christ. That's the truth. And we're going to talk about that tonight. Um, I was reading in Colossians chapter 3 the other day. And primarily, I'm just going to talk to you tonight out of verses 1 through 17. You know, um, in my opinion, uh, I don't know. I, you know, I, there, what can replace the word of God? Nothing. Our lives, uh, in the Old Testament, he said, I found your words and I ate them. And he, and he said, and your words weren't just a trifle to me. They weren't just, just a little something, but they were my very life. And that's how I feel about God's word. And I can tell you that God's word lifts me no matter what, uh, circumstance I'm in or what mood I'm in or what feeling I'm having or what I'm thinking. If I get into his word and just begin to read, I just be- instantly begin to be ministered to and lifted up out of what the enemy is trying to push me down in. And God's word, it says of itself, it's alive, it's active, it's full of power, it's effective. Um, and... It says that his word breaks down the rock of most stubborn resistance, like a hammer that breaks down the rock of most stubborn resistance. And I just don't think, you know, I mean, I can say a lot of words to you, but to me, the best thing is letting the word, the Bible, God's word to us, speak to us. And so this is just really simple, like elementary, but, you know, when I'm reading it, you know, we think, oh, we know that, but we forget And I just wanted to read to you and teach you and exhort you out of Colossians chapter 3 tonight. And, you know, when I was reading it, some words just kind of began to stand out to me uh, and amplified. I just kind of, that's where I started. I just kind of began to look and I would just kind of write those words down. So we're going to, we're going to just, I'll highlight those words and then just talk about what it says. But the Bible talks to you itself. He's speaking. It's the living word of God. It's spirit and truth. And the Holy Spirit breathes and brings that truth to us. And I want to start with John, though. We're going to talk about Colossians. But I want to start in John 16, uh, verse 13a, the first part. Um, because I just want to just, you know, let you know about the word and the spirit of truth. And this is what it says in John 16, 
13a in the Passion Translation. And when I say 13a, that's what I mean. I'm just taking you to the first part of that scripture. I'm not going all, I'm not reading the whole scripture. I just wanted to read the first part. And this is what it says. It says, when the truth giving spirit comes, and he has come, he will unveil the reality of every truth within you. That's why I start out telling you, you're, you are made alive in Christ. When you receive him, he has made us alive. We're not dead men walking. We're alive in Christ. And God wants us to live in those realities of what he's done in us. And so that's what the spirit of truth, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He unveils. He pulls the veil off so that we can see Spiritually, not here so much, but in our inner man. He brings revelation. You know, you can know things here in your head, but not get it in here. I always say it like this. If I'm trying to get something, I'll say it's in my head, but it hadn't dropped to my heart yet. And God, through the unveiling of the Holy Spirit, drops those realities into our heart. But you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. And so when I see something that I know still stuck here, I just stay on it. And I meditate on it. And I pray on it. And I think about it. And I talk to God about it. And I look at different translations to stay on it till it goes from here to here. Because that's where God wants it to be, is living and alive in us. He wants the reality of it to be made known to us. That which he's done in us, he wants us to know that we know that we know that that's true about us. Because there's things out here that will try to tell us differently. And so he wants us to know and have that um, revealed to us. You know, I can remember before I was saved... um, my best friend, she got saved before me. I didn't know she was saved. I, I told y'all before I thought she died. I, not died. I thought she was, well, yeah, died because I didn't think she's going to be any fun anymore because, you know, she'd gotten saved. And then we did a bunch of stuff together. <laughs> anyway, but they had this book. You ever heard of those books called Leaves of Gold? Um, Chris actually has it. Her mother had it. Leaves of Gold and I think Apples something. And I know that's Proverbs. That's a, a, a proverb. But in her book, Leaves of Gold, it has scripture in there. And I can remember being at her house one day. She saved. I'm not. And I don't know I'm not, you know, and I don't know I need to be. But I'm just, I'm looking through that book. You know, it's just sitting out. We're sitting in our living room. I'm just looking through that book. And I see those words that are scripture. Did I know they were in the Bible? Mm-mm. Didn't, I just thought, you know, there may be like a poem or something. I know I was a church child, but. You know, the dumb one. I missed it. But anyway, but I can remember reading those words. A lot of them were in Proverbs. I think that book is full of Proverbs, I think. And I can remember reading those words, and I I can describe it to you like this. My heart yearned for those. I was in high school. I was a senior in high school. My heart, my inside man, I can tell it to you like this now, but I couldn't tell it to you like this. Back then, all I knew that something in me wanted what was in those words. They were that alive to me. They were that powerful to me as an unsaved teenage girl when I read those words. Don't underestimate the power of the Word of God. Don't think it's something, oh well, there is power in the Word of God. 
And those words drew me. But I can remember, I can say it like this. I wanted to dive into those words. But, you know, trying to dive into this floor right here, that it, you can't. You hit it and you just. And that's what I wanted in those words. I wanted to dive into those words, but I couldn't. You know why? I wasn't born again. It wasn't. My heart had not been changed and opened to the things of God. But I wanted that. I didn't know that's what I wanted. I just, those words. And I told this story when my best friend got married. And Alan and I were the best man and woman standing up in her living room when we were also seniors of high school, spring, getting ready to graduate. And they read the love chapter. I didn't know what that was. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love is patient, love is kind. Those were the most beautiful words I had ever heard. And I said, I want to love like that. I didn't know that was God's word. And I'm just saying, God's word is so powerful. It was drawing an 18-year-old girl, and I didn't even know what it was. So just pray the word, speak the word, read the word. I tell you what, his word in us changes us. It draws us. It feeds us. It uh, quenches our thirst. And it causes us to grow in him. And it causes us to be encouraged and comforted and strengthened. And everything it's meant to do. It's not a have to. It's not a, oh, I better read something. I mean, like, do you sit, say, think that when you sit down to eat? Well, I guess I better eat something. No, you eat because you know you're going to collapse any moment now, you know. Well, it's the same with the word. And I just exhort you and encourage you to allow the truth-giving spirit to unveil The truth that is within you. It's what God's already placed in us. We're not trying to get it. He's placed it in us. And the Holy Spirit wants us to know it. We need the Holy Spirit to unveil the reality of every truth that the Lord has placed in us at our new birth. You know what? I didn't understand the grace of God when I was first saved. So I was getting saved over and over. I thought I was. I thought I needed to. I thought I needed to pray that prayer. I do not know how many times I prayed it. The night I got saved, I didn't even pray it. And then I was really saved. And then I thought I wasn't because then I could do something. And then I, oh, I got to pray that prayer again. Then I thought I wasn't because I didn't pray it. The night I got saved, you know, the devil's mean. He don't care. He just don't torment you. He does not want you to enjoy the joy of your salvation. He just wants to torment you. But see, if you don't allow the Holy Spirit to unveil truth to you of what God's already done, then you're in the torment field. Not because you want to be or you're trying to be, but because you are because you don't know. And I didn't know. But I always say this. If you want to know the truth, God will see to it that you get truth. And he saw to it. He would just begin. And you know where I learned it? I mean, and I listen to teachers and things, but I learned it primarily from his word by asking him, well, which is it? Well, are we saved or not? Are we saved but? Which is it? I mean, you get real with God, he'll get real with you. He wants you to know. He's not trying to hide this from you. He wants you to know. He wants you to be, uh, to know those realities. Something's buzzing. Y'all hear it? Anybody hear a buzz beside me? Y'all hear that buzz? It's coming out of there. Alan's monitor or something. What? Oh. Well, it's right in my earlobe right here, but I'm going to ignore it. Maybe don't do the labeler. (laughs) We need the Holy Spirit to unveil that truth to us. John 8, 32 says this. It says, if you embrace the truth, 
It will release true freedom into your lives. I want to say it again. We've already read that in John 16, 13a. Thank you, darling. In John 16, 13a, it says that the Holy Spirit will unveil the reality of every truth within you. And then John 8.32 in the Passion Translation again says, For if you embrace the truth, it, that truth that the Holy Spirit unveils to you, if you'll embrace it, it will release true freedom into your lives. Do you need some freedom in your life? I do every blooming day. You know, the enemy tries to lay a trap for us every day. We need freedom every day from something ourselves, somebody else, our thoughts, you know. Just stuff. But when we embrace the truth, he releases true freedom into our lives. I think that's so powerful. I mean, doesn't that make you want to read the Word? If you need freedom, maybe you need deliverance. You know, maybe you've got demonic stuff or you've got addiction. You've got something. You need freedom? The Bible just said when you embrace that truth, it releases freedom into you. Everybody's trying harder. Why don't we just let the Word do its work? When it kind of thing, you know, I say, the word works, you know. <laughs> well, it does. It does a good work in us. It's so awesome. Our part's just to eat it. Hey, like when you eat your food, do you like just tell it where to go? Okay, stay off the hips, you know. <laughs> yeah, y'all know where we I got a few places where I tell it to go, not go, etc. So, you know, I'm just saying, but no, we don't our food, it just goes. And when you eat and when you eat the word it goes and it does what it needs to do in our lives. The truth Jesus gives us releases us from the bondage of our past, our present, <laughs> our future. The bondage of our sins, it releases us from that. The bondage of religion. Truth must be embraced and worked out through the divine process of spiritual maturity. You know, we don't... We aren't born again, and we're not spiritually mature the moment we're born again. If we died at that moment, we're right into the presence of God. But we grow in spiritual maturity. That's why we're here on a Wednesday night sitting under the Word. That's why we go to discipleship class. That's why we listen uh, to Pastor Allen on Sunday mornings. That's why we listen to things on the radio and on all that other computer stuff, you know. You're feeding your spirit. You want your spirit man to be stronger and you want it to be stronger than your flesh. You're going to have to feed it. And you feed it the word of God. That makes our spirit man strong. And it makes our flesh small because it causes the spirit man to gain ascendancy up over our flesh. You know, if your flesh is ruling and reigning and your emotions and all that, you just need to feed your spirit man. That means feed Read God's word and see what he says about you and agree with it and embrace it so he can release freedom into your life. Anyway, but that divine process of spiritual maturity, the Greek word in this in this scripture that says um, that that he will release true freedom in your life. If you embrace the truth, he will release true freedom in your life. That word for truth is reality. He'll release the reality of it in your life. You need healing? Read healing scriptures to yourself and to your body, whatever part is trying to act up. Read it and feed it the word and the reality that by the stripes that wounded Jesus, you are healed and made whole, will begin to affect a cure in that body part. That's the truth. 
And then if you want to receive communion, the healing bread, you know, I mean, you're, God has made every avenue for us to walk in all that he's done for us. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. If you're oppressed of the devil, it is not God's will for you. Because he went about. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So what we saw Jesus doing is what he still does today and what he's provided for us today. You want to see the Father? Well, I don't know. Alan's talked about it. Well, I don't know if it's God's will. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. The enemy wants to try to keep us in doubt and unbelief. I say, well, just the word is our plumb line. The word is the standard. It's what Jesus said. Not man's opinion, not your opinion, but what God said. And, you know, the enemy will try to get you off and try to talk you out and try to make, you, try to make me think of one saved, getting me off. You've got to go back to the Word. You've got to go back to what he is saying. Reading the Word is not something we do passively, but it is something that we are to do actively. We actively embrace the Word of God. We, the, the word to embrace means to accept something willingly or enthusiastically. To embrace, that word for truth was reality, and to embrace the reality of Christ brings more freedom into your life. It's awesome. And I believe you pray it and it brings more freedom into the lives of your family or your children or whoever God's laid on your heart to pray. We enthusiastically accept and receive what the word says. And the spirit of truth releases that freedom into our lives. So I want to look at Colossians 3. I want to just prime you with that so that you would embrace it enthusiastically and willingly. And honestly, everything's not, you're going to go, I don't like that part, but it's good for us. I don't like spinach, so I eat broccoli. So I still eat something green. You know, I'm just saying some things that are good for us aren't our favorite things. You know, we all like, well, most of us like candy. But we've got to eat some of those things that are good for us. So we're going to look in Colossians 3. Between verses 1 and 17, I didn't go over every one of them, but I just, I just wanted to feed us the word tonight. It fed me. I want to feed it to you. And you may go, oh, I've been reading that. Well, great. I'm going to hear it again. So I told you at first that there are several words that stood out to me in this. So we're going to look at these words in the verses and, and just allow the spirit of truth to release true freedom into our lives. So I want to start in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. And... Um, I'm going to start in the Amplified Bible, and then, I'll, and then I'm going to, uh, most of the time I'm going to tell you what it says in the Passion Translation. And we're talking about the realities of what God has done in us. We're talking about living as those that are made alive in Christ. Living as those that Christ has done this great work in us. And so we're not just, uh, um, you know, we're already citizens of heaven. It's not when we go there. We already are. We are now citizens of heaven. Do you know that you now possess eternal life? It's not when you go to heaven. When, when you're born again and the Holy Spirit comes in and your spirit man is born again, you receive eternal life then. And so that's what's in us. There's so much in us that God wants to unveil to us. 
Colossians 3.1. <clears throat> if then you have been raised with Christ. See, I told you you've been made alive with him. You've been raised with him to a new life. Thus sharing his resurrection from the dead. It says aim at. That's the first word that stood out to me, aim at. You know, if you aim at something, you've got to. You know, like you've got one of those scopes and you're trying to see that target. You, when you aim, you've got to use your eye. You, you, you center in. You're not looking at all this stuff out here. <clears throat> if you're aiming at something, if you're trying to hit a target, you got one eye closed, right? Y'all close one eye when y'all do that? I do too. <clears throat> Don't ask me why. It's easier. If you've got both on, then this one's still seeing stuff out here, right? So you close one eye and you're looking and you're aimed in on that thing. And this is what Colossians 3, 1 in the Amplified says. Aim at and seek the rich eternal treasures that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. God wants that to be your aim. He wants that to be what you're looking at. <clears throat> Not all this out here and what this is saying and what this is broadcasting to you. But what is heaven saying to you? And what has done, God done for you and doing for you? In the Passion Translation, it says it like this. <clears throat> Christ's resurrection is your resurrection, too. This is why we are to yearn for all that is above. For that's where Christ sits, enthroned at the place of all power, honor, and authority. So the first words that stuck out to me were aimed. And then when I read it in the Passion, to yearn. We're to yearn for those things that are above where he is seated and where he is enthroned. You know, I told you on Sunday out of Psalm 4 that God works wonders. We'll never forget that you work wonders. And God wants you to know that he's working wonders for you and in your life. And then in verse 2, Colossians 3, verse 2, it says, And set your minds and keep them set. So he's told us to aim, and now he's telling us to set your minds And keep them set on what is above. The higher things. These are the higher things. Not on the things that are on the earth. Not earthly things. But we have to aim and we have to set our minds, our spiritual eyes, our physical eyes almost through the word, through worship, on him. Those higher things. This is where the lower things are. The things that will distract. The Passion Translation says it like this. I love this. It says, yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm. Do you know you have treasures in the heavenly realm that you're not trying to get that have been given to you? Because you know what? You are seated right now in heavenly places with him. That is your position. And so what he has is what you have. You're not trying to get it. Well, if I'm good. No, he's already given it to you. His resurrection is your resurrection. And he's giving this. Everything that he has is yours. So feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. What did Jesus say? On earth as it did pray. Let it be on earth earth as it is in heaven not vice versa the higher things are in heaven so lord let it be on earth as it is in heaven we're not we're bringing the manifestation of that to earth it's what god has given us but you know what you got to feast on it because this is distract 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 get you off 
try to make you doubt God, try to make you doubt his word. Feast on the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly reality. That's what's real. That's what's real, what he says and what he's done. Colossians 3, verse 3, it says, For as far as this world is concerned, you've died. And your new real life is hidden with Christ and God. I tell you what, that is so powerful to know who the real you is. It's so powerful. It just set me free. I tell you what, I thought, well, I'm saved, but man, I'm a mess. But I just began to find out who I was in him, and I began to meditate on, no, I'm a new creation. No, this is what he said. Old things pass away. I don't have to make them. He does it. I just have to feast. I just feast on what he says. I set my mind. I aim at that. I'm just looking at what he said. That's it. It's just how we walk with him. It's how we walk in what he's given us, in that reality of it. In the Passion Translation of Colossians 3.3, 3, it says it like this. Your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tie to this life. And now your true life is hidden away in God, in Christ Jesus. You know, people say, oh, yeah, I know you're saved, but you know you did this and you're that and you were this and you were that. Uh-uh. Your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tie to this life. You are made brand new. And I know the old man tries to come up, but just tell him, get back down there. Uh uh-uh. You're dead. You're dead. Verse 5 says this of Colossians 3. It says, so kill. These are my words, kill and deprive on this one. So kill, I guess deaden could be one too. So kill, deaden, deprive of power. The evil desire lurking in your members. We all have evil desires that try to lurk in our members. They try to come up. The enemy tries to. But the Bible says for us to kill it. For us to deaden it. For us to deprive it of power. The Bible wouldn't tell us to do that unless he had given us the power and authority. And the Bible says he has. Behold, I give you power and authority over all the power the enemy possesses. And so we've been given that. And so we have the power to deaden that, to kill that, to deprive that. The enemy tries to bring up old stuff and bring up the old man, bring up the old way of doing things, the stuff we used to do or the stuff we used to lean on or depend on. Mm -mm. He's given you the power to say, nope, that's not who I am. That's not me. I don't do that anymore. Kill, deaden, deprive of power, the evil desire lurking in your members. Those animal impulses and all that is earthly in you that is employed in sin. And he names some of them. Sexual vice, impurity, sensual appetites, unholy desires, and all greed and covetousness. For that's idolatry. He's saying that's the deifying of self and other created things instead of God. He's saying kill those things that try to come up and try to work through you. He said, dead them. Deprive them of power in your life. Because we all know unholy things try to come up. You ever have a thought? You think, where did that come from? You know, And then he just wants to hang there and see if he can get you to act on it. But you can pull it down. And you can say, uh-uh, that's not me. In, in the Passion Translation, it says it this way. I, I mean, I love this. This is so powerful in the Passion. It says, 
Colossians 3, 5, live as one who has died to every form of sexual sin and impurity. We've died to that because we are made new. It's not who we are. It's not who he's made us. And then he goes on to say, live as one who died to diseases. In the footnotes of the Passion Translation, it says that 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 part, that verse right there, live as one who died to diseases, is left out in the Greek, but it is present in the Aramaic language. And I think that is so powerful. When you're standing in the healing that you know God has provided, you say, Lord, I live as one who's died to diseases. Uh Uh-uh, that's not mine. I've died to that. I've died to sin. I've died to this, and I've died to diseases. And that's in the Passion. And live as one who died to diseases and desires for forbidden things. You, just, you know, the enemy comes and tries to tempt you. You say, nope, I've died to that. That doesn't tempt me. I'm dead. Is a dead man, if, if we had a casket right here and a, a dead man is laying in it, is he tempted? If you have a, a corpse right here, a dead person laying right here, are they tempted? Why not? They're dead. That's what our old man is. It's dead. That's what the Bible says, dead to temptation, dead to those things. And we have to talk about it because when we talk about the grace of God, there's grace and truth. And grace is that which God has done for us. But the truth is the enemy tries to tempt us, but we, the truth is, We've been given the power to resist what he does. We don't live. You know, if, if people think that grace, that grace tells you you can live any way you want to, read your Bible. I'm reading you from Colossians 3, 5. It's telling you what to do with that. It's telling you what to do with sin that tries to come up. The Bible still calls it sin. It is still sin and evil. But you know why? Do you know why God's telling us to deprive it of power? Because the wages of sin is death. He's not going to take it. He can't take us to hell. But he can cause consequences if we give ourselves over. Because what you yield yourself to, you become a slave of. And if you yield yourself to that sin, you'll become a slave to it. And there will be consequences that you have brought because you opened the door to the enemy. But God's telling you ahead of time what to do. He's saying, I've already taken care of that. That's not who you are. That man is dead. If he tries to come up, remind him who he is and kill that thing. Kill him again. (laughs) And to say, no, that's not who I am. You know, Paul talks about pressing. I press toward that mark. You know, we're talking about this stuff. And I really didn't intend to focus on this, but I want to say, you know, to me, well, I mean, so many times I go, well, I just can't help it. Well, you know, I struggle with that. Are we, are we pressing? Are we killing it? Are we taking the reality of what God says, who we are? I'm not fussing at y'all. I'm just, I'm telling us. I mean, you know. Do we take it seriously or is it just, oh, some little words? And why Jesus write that in there? You know he knows we don't like that. It's because he loves us and he wants to help us. And he says, this is going to hurt you. Don't you tell your children that this is going to hurt you. I'm just saying, that's why he put it in there. And yes, we have the grace of God, but we still got to kill because we have an enemy. 
who goes around like a roaring lion seeking someone he can devour. And he wants to devour you. So if you ain't killing your flesh when it tries to come up, then he's going to get in because you're going to let him in. But if you'll feed your spirit, man, and when it says this, you'll, you know, when you read that, I read it to you to help you recognize, hey, this isn't something I'm supposed to, this is letting the enemy have his way. I kill this thing off. Anyway, okay, we'll get off that subject. We're going to live as one that's died to that, though. Don't live as one that's in bondage to it. Live as one that's died to it. And when disease tries to come on or sickness, live as one that's died to that, too. I love that scripture. I'm going to live as one that's died to bad news. Or let's see, what else? (laughs) You know, I like to say disease or dis-ease. You know, if you're not at ease, I I like to, you know, I believe God lets us have it both ways. Okay, Colossians 3, verse, oh my gosh, 8 and 9. It says, put away and rid yourselves completely of all these things. Because see that other stuff up there, you're probably going, eh, well, I got that. I got that. Okay, well, I'm going to read you some more. Okay, rid yourselves. So these words that stuck out to me was put away, rid, strip off. That's going to be here in a minute. But now put away and rid yourselves completely of all these things. Anger. Rage, bad feeling toward others. You might got a bad feeling toward others. Curses and slander and foul-mouthed abuse and shameful utterances from your lips. And do not lie to one another. For you have stripped off the old, unregenerated self with its evil practices. That's who you are. You have stripped off the old man. And so... When anger and rage and all that stuff tries to get going, you say, no, I have stripped that off. No, I have put that away. I have rid my, no, you're not going to make me think bad of that person. You're not going to make me want to slander them. No, I have stripped that off. That's who I am. That's what God has done. In the Passion uh, Translation, it says it like this. You know, all those things, that's how you once behaved. Characterized by your evil deeds. You know, we were known by our evil deeds. You know what I was known by? I'm so ashamed. You know, the girl in my office knew I got saved. Well, she knew something happened to me because I didn't cuss anymore. It's so bad. I was known by my evil deeds. My foul mouth slander, I guess. My foul mouth abuse. I don't know. I didn't recognize it until I was saved. And then she told me, what happened to you? And I said, what do you mean? She said, you don't cuss anymore. I said, I don't. You know, I didn't even know. But... The old man was dead, praise God. And so, but I was characterized by that cussing. Isn't that a sad state? But now it's time to eliminate them from your lives once and for all. Anger, fits of rage, all forms of hatred, cursing, filthy speech, and lying. Lay aside your old Adam self with its masquerade and disguise. Lay it aside. It's not who we are. That's not me. Okay, on to verse 10, Colossians 3.10. And have clothed yourselves with the new spiritual self. So we've put off, but now we're clothing ourselves. He's clothed us with your new spiritual self, which is ever in the process of being renewed. Aren't you glad? As Joyce Meyer says, we're not there yet, but we've left. And we're ever being renewed. We're ever being remolded into fuller and more perfect knowledge upon knowledge after the image, the likeness of him who created it. So we put off, we eliminated, we stripped off, and now we've clothed. That was my word in this. We've clothed ourselves with the new spiritual self. You know, do it by faith. Say, old man, I eliminate you. New man, 
I clothe myself with you. You need to see that. You need to talk to yourself, your inner man, and say, this is you. In, um, in the Passion Translation, it says, you have acquired new creation life, which is continually being renewed into the likeness of the one who created you, giving you the full revelation of God. Isn't that exciting? He did all that for us. In, in verse 12 of Colossians, I mean, yes, Colossians 3.12 and Amplified, I got tired of writing them down, so now I'm going to read them out of my Bible. <laughs> Clothe yourselves as God's own chosen ones. Did you know you're his chosen one? He's chosen you. Clothe, your, clothe yourself as God's own chosen one, his own picked representatives who are purified and holy and well-beloved by God himself. Isn't that beautiful? Did you know you're well-beloved by God himself? By putting on behavior marked by tender-hearted pity and mercy and kind feeling and lowly opinion of yourself and gentle ways and patience, which is tireless and long-suffering and has the power to endure whatever comes with good temper. That's what he says. We clothe ourselves with God. Here it says in the Passion, it says it this way. You are always and dearly loved by God. That's so beautiful. You need to write that down to yourself. So robe yourself with virtues of God since you have been divinely chosen to be holy. Be merciful as you endeavor to understand others and be compassionate, showing kindness to all. Be gentle and humble, unoffendable in your patience with others. Isn't that beautiful? Look what he has done in us and gives us the power to walk in. And you know, it's good to remember <clears throat> those things that he says because sometimes we just get to going and with our bad attitudes or our thoughts and things, but it's good to be reminded of who he says we are and what we're to clothe ourselves with, you know? With that beautiful compassion and kindness of the Lord. Verses uh, 13 in Colossians 3 in the Amplified, it says, Be gentle and forbearing with one another. And if one has a difference, a grievance, or a complaint against another, readily pardoning each other, even as the Lord has freely forgiven you, so must you also forgive. He's always reminding us, I've forgiven you, now you need to forgive. In the Passion Translation, it says it this way, Tolerate the weaknesses of those in the family of faith. You know, we want, most of the time we want to jump on those weaknesses. We want to just put a foot on those weaknesses. But he says tolerate them. Be patient is what he means. Be patient. Don't you have some weaknesses? I do. Be patient. Tolerate the weaknesses of those in the family of faith, forgiving one another in the same way you've been graciously forgiven by Jesus Christ. If you find fault with someone, release this same gift of forgiveness to them. That is so beautiful. In verse 14 of Colossians 3, I'm almost through. And above all, this is my word here, put on. Put on love and enfold yourselves with the bond of perfectness, which is love, which bind everything together completely in ideal harmony. He wants you to put on love. You know, you have to put it on sometimes, especially people. Do you know, he didn't say, well, put on love if everybody's being nice to you. If everything's going great, he says, put on love. In the Passion Translation, it says, for love is supreme and must flow through each of these virtues, 
the things that he's talked about. Love becomes the mark of true maturity. And then in verse 15, it goes on to say, and my words here are let and be. In, in, in Colossians 3.15, it says, let the peace which comes from Christ rule and act as umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds. He wants you to let his peace be the thing that decides things in your heart. But you have to let it. You know, people say, well, I don't know what to do. And I say, well, just wait and let God speak to you. Because when he does, it will bring a peace. You may not know how everything's going to go, but it will bring peace to you. And then at the end of verse 15, it says, and be thankful. Be appreciative, giving praise to God always. So let the peace that comes from Christ be your guide. And then be thankful to him. Be appreciative and give praise to him. In the um, Passion Translation, it says it this way. Let your heart be always guided by the peace of the Anointed One who called you to peace as part of his one body and always be thankful. God's just given us the ways to live as one that's made alive in Christ. He's just showing the way of life. He's saying, put on love. Get rid of this. Put this on. Let Christ be your peace. It's just, it's so beautiful. And it's just, he's just showing the way of what he wants to do in our lives. And then in verse 16 in the Amplified Bible of Colossians 3, and then he says, let the word spoken by Christ have its home in your hearts and mind. Do you know that nobody can make you do that? You have to let the word spoken by Christ have its home in your heart and mind and let it dwell in you in all richness. As you teach and you admonish others, let it have its home in you. And you know, you do that by reading it, by embracing it, by saying, that's me and that's what you've done. In the Passion, it says, let the word of Christ live in you richly, flooding you with all wisdom. Apply the scriptures as you teach and instruct one another with psalms and with praises and prophetic songs. Let that be. Let it be what floods your life, his word, and apply the scriptures then in your life. That's living the word of God. And then last, verse 17, this is what it says in Colossians 3. It says, and whatever you do, whatever you do, no matter what, No matter what it is, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus and in dependence upon his person, giving praise to God the Father throughout him. He wants you to be in dependence. He wants you, whatever you're doing, whether you're working, whether you're at a movie, whether you're driving down the road, whatever you do, do it. Everything in the name of the Lord Jesus and in dependence on him. He's not asking you to do this by your own strength or your own power. In dependence on him. And the way the Colossians says it like this. Let every activity of your lives and every word that comes from your lips be drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus. I'm going to read it one more time. Colossians 3, verse 17, let every activity of your lives and every word that comes from your lips 
be drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One, and bring your constant praise to God, the Father, because of what Christ has done for you. So these were just some words that I saw, like um, robe and clothe and uh, let and put on and uh, strip off and eliminate. (laughs) These were just words that stood out to me as I read Colossians that day. And what I wanted to read to you and remind you that we are those that have been made alive in Christ. And he wants us to live as those in that reality unveiled in our hearts and in coming out through our lives to not only be a blessing to us, but to be a blessing to others. Father, we thank you for truth that you reveal to us, that you unveil, that you that you just speak to us because you love us. We are dearly loved by you. And you show us the way of life, of truth, of light, the way that will bring blessing, the way that will bring peace and joy through being thankful, through being appreciative, through putting on love and, and uh, being gentle and kind. Father, they're your ways by setting our hearts on things above, by aiming at your treasures, by focusing on those things, not on the earthly things, but on the things that are above and allowing those things not to stay there, but to flow from you through us into others. Father, I just thank you tonight for your way of doing and being.